You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. And man, oh man, I got to tell you, we've got such an exciting lineup that is joining the Locked On Women's Basketball team. I'm going to wait for the official announcement, but we've got wonderful, diverse voices coming to you, joining me, being part of what's going to be a supersized coverage of women's basketball. So I couldn't be more thrilled about what we have ahead of us. But even before then, let's talk about first and foremost, we've got a WNBA season. It's finally here. I've been excited about it since... I was on my way back to the hotel after covering Game 5 of the WNBA Finals last October. And here we are with the season about to start on Saturday, July 25th. Sabrina Ionescu's debut for the New York Liberty against the return of Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird in the Seattle Storm. We're going to get into a lot of that. We're going to take this as essentially a preview in three parts. And the first part is off the court. We managed to speak to Kathy Engelbert for the better part of an hour, collectively, as the media. And Kathy was gracious, as always, answering questions. But I had a question for her specifically about Elena Deldon. And, of course, for those of you who have not been following, Elena Deldon has Lyme disease. She applied for a medical exemption. It was not granted by the league. Now, the league and the Players Association had set up a process by which one lead doctor, one PA doctor, and one independent doctor make a determination about granting exemptions. Other players, such as Tina Charles, Asia Dar, Jessica Breland, were granted exemptions. Elena was not. And the question really becomes, more than the verdict, what were the jury instructions? What were the instructions to this panel? Are you told to grant an exemption unless it turns out the doctor's note was forged? Does it mean that you only grant an exemption in extreme circumstances? And I guess the thing I keep thinking about is, why wouldn't you, if a player's doctor has said she is at high risk, why wouldn't you grant that exemption? Why would you turn around and say, look, we want to create bad blood with whichever player it is? Why would you put yourself in a position for the type of negative press the lead subsequently got? Now, that is amplified by the position Elena Deladon holds in the league, the defending champion, two-time MVP, including defending MVP, and as prominent a voice and a face as exists in the WNBA. And you'll see in in Kathy Engelbert's answers, she repeatedly goes back to that. You know, well, the fact that she was such a prominent player didn't figure in the decision. But I would argue it shouldn't have figured in the decision. I think any player in such a circumstance who has a doctor saying she is at elevated risk should have been granted the exemption. And so... I don't really understand it, but I think it's worth uh, having asked Kathy about it. And then the great Tara Sullivan of the Boston Globe followed up. And so I'm going to play you both of those. Uh, Later on in the show, we're going to hear from 
Brianna Stewart as well, who is a significant storyline. The best player in basketball in 2018 is back, and we get to see her. And she is apparently as strong as ever and has better balance than she did before the injury, which is a very Brianna Stewart thing to do, to somehow get better during an Achilles injury recovery that has sidelined other careers and limited them for the rest of their playing days. So that'll be very interesting. We'll also hear from Tierra McCallan of the Indiana Fever, who was unstoppable. I remember speaking to a coach near the tail end of the 2019 season who said simply, we don't have a game plan to stop Tierra McCowan because there is no game plan that stops Tierra McCowan. And so as you hear these previews and you see people not picking the Indiana Fever to make the playoffs, remember who told you they will because that's a playoff team. Anyway, let's hear from Kathy, and then we'll get into Stewie, get into T, and talk a little bit about the season. Howard Meddell, Lockdown Women's Basketball. Awfully excited to be with you. Here, you're good. Great, great. Thanks, Kathy. So I wanted to uh, ask you about um, Elena Deladon, and specifically, um, she had put out an open letter last week uh, saying that uh, both the decision by the league's uh, panel uh, and also the way in which it was conveyed uh, had left her uh, hurting a lot uh, about it. I'm just wondering if, uh, in retrospect, there are any regrets about the way it happened, if you've reached out, and uh, what your thoughts are about repairing the relationship with, you know, someone who's obviously one of the most prominent players uh, in the WNBA. Yes, let me give you some context. Obviously, we're sensitive to Elena's health and support her, And what we've been trying to do throughout setting up this whole season is to follow the science of the virus, consult with infectious disease specialists, epidemiologists, and other specialists. The virus is obviously very complicated. So we had to put in a process that we worked out collectively with the Players Association and was put in to create a level playing field for all WNBA players so that everyone was treated fairly. It's an independent medical review panel, including specialists, The level of player is not a factor when making those medical decisions. As you know, separately, the Mystics confirmed that they, because of Elena's recent back surgery, um, she uh, was not going to be required to report to Florida. We'll receive her full pay. The pandemic has disrupted her back rehab, as it has many of the non-essential type things that were out there during the height of COVID in the area in which Elena lives. Certainly, I'm in New York area. You know, there was a lot of things that were disrupted by the pandemic back March through, you know, July here. So um, absolutely highly respect um, Elena, great player in our league, um, but the, her level of player was not a factor. It's an independent medical review uh, process with infectious disease specialists that were reviewing her and other cases as well for us. And um, so the league didn't have, you know, that's why it's called independent. It was an independent medical review uh, panel. So um, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, um, the reaction was what it was, but we're sensitive certainly to her health and support her all the way here. Thank you. Um, really, I was just curious if you had any sort of anonymous tip line, you know, that we've read so much about from the NBA bubble, just in terms of tracking any outside movement. I, I, it was just a curious yes or no, but really I wanted to follow up on the earlier question about um, the De- Deladon situation and some of the ways that that all um, was done. 
depart from what she wrote where she said how the league's panel of doctors without ever once speaking to me or to either of my doctors informed me they were denying the request. I just wondered if there, that's where I think Howard asked the question if there was any regret because it did, you know, it did bring a lot of criticism and negative publicity and it's something we're still talking about. And I'm just wondering, is that just the way it was set up that they didn't have to, you know, communicate directly with the player in question or examine them? And, you know, if you just, wish that you could have had any kind of do-over in that situation. Yeah, again, obviously, as with any medical issues, those are confidential under HIPAA between medical professionals, so I can't comment specifically on uh, what doctors talk to what other doctors. I know there were discussions between physicians and a nurse practitioner, but, I, I, I you know, again, it's a confidential process and confidential for all of those that were considered by the panel. It's a confidential medical process that's protected by HIPAA, and I obviously cannot have any interaction with that process. And as I said, nor would the level of the player be a factor or anything like that. So, um. so again, we're back to <clears throat> level of the player, and that's really not the issue. And the question is, in this time of COVID-19, should a player's doctor saying she's at high risk have been enough. Ultimately, the league has to get this right. Kathy's got to get on the phone with Elena and make sure that this is a partnership going forward. The league's entire basis of its CBA is based around both league and players being all in and promoting it 24-7, 365, and making sure that the growth of both entities reflects what both sides are doing. So, got to find a way to make this right. I think Kathy understands that, and uh, hopefully that'll happen before too long. Let's move to on the court, though, and a couple of things to highlight, especially about the day one that's coming up. And the first place I want to highlight is Tierra McCowan and the Indiana Fever, who will open at 5 p.m., Eastern Time on Saturday, be on CBS Sports Network, against the Washington Mystics. And Elena Deladon lists Mystics, Tina Charles lists Mystics, and therefore a Mystics team that doesn't really have a ready answer for Tierra McCallum. But no one did. No one did last year. When you look down the stretch, Tierra McCallum was essentially unstoppable. And what's really interesting to me, and the thing where I see somebody with great growth potential is when you break down what she already is and what she can be, the numbers indicate that there is significant extra room in what is already an elite game. And so I'm just going to take you through real quickly, if you'll indulge my inner nerddom, the inner, I mean, let's, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call it inner and leave it at that. I'll leave it to everyone else to decide outer. But what are we looking at? We're looking at a player who, per Synergy, last year, there were 50 WNBA players with at least 300 possessions used. She is 10th in points per possession among those 50. 10th in the league. Out of the very best. She was better on a points per possession basis last year than Liz Cambage or John Paul Jones, or Asia Wilson, or Shanae Agwomake. 
or Diamond de Shields or Enrique Urumawale. This is the level of player that Tierra McCallan was last year. But let's look within. She's a big 6-7 center. Was she doing it based on post-up? Sort of. 0.829 points per possession on a post-up. She was around middle of the pack, 51st percentile. Offensive rebounds, putbacks. You'd figure that would be where she was dominant. Well, 73rd percent. How was she as the pick-and-roll roll man? She was the 35th percentile. Something that she should, with her size and strength, be among the very best when she reaches her peak as a player. So again, to go back to the summary, was a top 10 performer, points-wise, per possession, and yet has all this area in order to grow. She's been working steadily at it. She looks bigger and stronger. She's been getting rave reviews from Marianne Stanley, coaching her this year. Tierra McCowan is about to be a force. People were starting to understand that in the end of 2019, but people are really going to understand it by the time 2020 is up. So let's hear what Tierra McCowan had to say. I spoke to her with some others. Indiana Fever Media Day. This is Howard McDonald. You're listening to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm running to maneuver around the paint. So, I mean, even if, you know, I get a rebound and somebody crashes, I have my shooters on the outside on three point line ready to shoot. Sue Favor. Hey, um, you made a lot of big strides last year as a player. What, what, um, so my first question is, what did you do over the winter to keep on increasing your trajectory? Because I know you're that kind of person. So I went overseas for the first time. It was great. Um, I went to China. I went and played in China. Um, I really, you know, put in that position. It was, you know, I had to just rely on, you know, like myself to better myself. I mean, China is a great league. You know, I met up with a lot of um, players from the W2. So, I mean, just over there, I really took the time out to just focus on, like, my footwork and, like, you know, just doing, like, some things that I was – a little hesitant about doing in the league my first year. So I know coming into this year, like I know I have those things down packed and I know I, that I can go to the next level. That's fantastic. Well, you guys have another tall one in Lauren Cox. Um, how do you guys see, how do you see your games kind of complementing and playing off of each other when you guys get to play together? I think it'll be great because I think that, you know, she's out there, she can stretch it, she can shoot it, and then I'm posting it. Or if I'm trailing, you know, I'll shoot it or I'll get it in. So our high-low game is going to be key to shoot. That's going to be fun. And then lastly, what's it like being together with Tori again after all this time? It's very great to see Tori back on the floor. I'm so excited for what she's going to bring into this season. I mean, just like the state days, I get the rebound, shoot it, pass it in, going back out. Sounds like you got a lot of options this year, my friend. That's great. I do. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Thank you, Sue. Uh, Akeem, you have, you have another one for Tierra? Yes, uh, hey again, T. Um, so I know you're one of the more animated players on the team. Um, when you get a big flock, will it be a little weird to have a kind of a, a hear quiet and not have a crowd noise to kind of pump you back up after a big play? Um, I'm pretty sure it won't be because my teammates, I'm pretty sure they'll let me know, like, I did the right thing, you know, by watching with shot. Um, this team has a lot of energy, so I don't think it'll be, like, too quiet, but, I mean, my teammates mm-hmm. will still be there, and that's all that matters.
Uh, Howard? Hi, Tierra. Question for you from a team perspective. Will anything short of the playoffs feel uh, like a disappointment this year with the group that you have, the progress you made? Does that feel like that's the minimum standard for you guys this year? Could you re-ask that question? Yeah, 100%. Given that you guys were very much on the rise, pretty close to the playoffs last year, and there seems to be on that trajectory, would anything short of the playoffs feel like a disappointment? Is that sort of the minimum standard for you guys coming into this year? Yeah, I was at that. I think that, you know, the ultimate goal is to get to the playoffs and not make it, make it as far as we can. You know, the goal is the championship. So, I mean, if it's anything other than the championship, then, you know, we know what we have to go back and work on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Uh, Owen Pence? Hi, Tierra. I'm curious, watching you last year, it seemed like as the year wore on, you really got a lot more comfortable passing out of double teams and just passing maybe in the pick and roll in general. So I'm curious... Uh, where you feel your game is at passing-wise uh, going into your second season? Um, I always see myself as, like, a great passer. So, I mean, like, the first year, so rookie year, so I really was, like, hesitant on a lot of things. But I know, like, looking back at my Mississippi State days, like, it's the same, you know, same role. You know, like, double team coming, you kick it out, you find your shooters, nothing more, nothing less. So, I mean, I think that it'll be the same this year. Thank you. Even better. Thanks, Owen. Uh, anything else for Tierra? No? Okay. We'll, uh, we'll move to Julie Alamon next. So uh, thank you again, Tierra. Thank you. So before we go today, I want to make sure we hear from Brianna Stewart. And I think it's important to put in context what we're about to experience. Brianna Stewart has been out of the WNBA game since she won a championship on the, call it the Mystics floor, the George Mason floor. As I remember somebody on the makeshift press box who was there in 2018 and won the 2018 title with the Seattle Storm. And what that meant was that Brianna Stewart, who won four titles in four years at UConn, something no one other than her teammates, uh, Mariah Jefferson, Morton Tuck, have done, has accomplished, even at a place as great as UConn. And she did it, not just four titles, but as the most outstanding player in the Final Four each of those four years. No one has had a better collegiate career. I don't care what sport you're talking about or what what gender you're talking about, then Brianna Stewart, period. She came to the league, and she won Rookie of the Year. And by year three, she was the most valuable player, the most valuable player in the finals, and her team was on top. So if Brianna Stewart retired today, and thanks, sweet, merciful God, she's not retiring, and we all get to watch her, and I get to cover her for hopefully many years to come, uh, as those who listen to this show know, and Dan Hughes made it clear, she'd be a Hall of Famer if she retired today at age 25. Very few people by age 25 who have been worthy of the Hall of Fame in whatever field they're in. It's essentially Brianna Stewart and Mozart. So 
the fact that she is back and we get to experience her in basketball starting again Saturday, and that'll be at noon Eastern time, Storm versus Liberty on ESPN, is a remarkable thing. And seeing what she is capable of doing now is the real question. What can Brianna Stewart do ahead of, on top of, what is already a resume that few, if any, players in the history of this game can boast of? So that's those are the stakes, and that's what's worth thinking about as you see her take the floor on Saturday. And let's hear from Brianna Stewart, what she has to say from... Seattle Storm Media Day, heading into this weekend in the opener. Howard Magdal, Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm sure we'll get a, I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions um, about that. Um, but we'll start off with a question from Ben. Let me go ahead and find you there, Ben. Uh, where are you at here? I see him. He's right there in the blue. Oh, there you are. Go ahead, Ben. Hi, Stewie. Thank you for your time. Um, just want to ask a little bit about Coach Klopp getting a, another chance this full season at a head coach. Um, yeah. And he's had little stints as head coach when Coach Hughes has been absent in the past. What kind of qualities have you seen from him as an assistant that will let you know that he'll thrive in this position again? And then what are some of the main coaching differences that you see between Coach Hughes and Coach Klopp? Yeah, well, I think the thing is, um, you know, Klopp's been in this position before. Um, for one reason or another, Dan was unable to, to kind of be with our team, and, and Klopp has stepped up, and I think now, um, huge opportunity for him just to continue to step up um, as the head coach for the whole season. Um, every coach has a little bit of differences. Uh, obviously, Klopp is, is really a defensive-minded coach, but that doesn't mean that um, he doesn't care about offense, you know. Um, so we, we're really focusing in on our defense, and I think it's important. You know, we have these beginning two weeks, and we want to make sure we know where everybody is supposed to be, um, where other players that we're going to play in the league, you know, those rotations, stuff like that. And then the offense, uh, you guys know a lot of our offense is our transition, a lot of flowing, stuff like that. Thanks, Stuart. Our next question will come from Mark Larson. Go ahead, Mark. Brianna, how are you? Good. Uh, you can tell us a little bit about the Shiner, and then um, tell us some, what's the toughest part about uh, coming back after a year away, and if you expect to be the same player you were when you left and weren't ready to Yeah, so uh, got my, I got this. It's actually, it hasn't bruised yet. You guys can't see it because the lighting is pretty bad. Um, it hasn't bruised yet, but it was out of practice today. Um, I was guarding Ezzy. And she wanted to go over her left, and I kind of jumped it because I knew she wanted to go that way, and I, she got me with the hook, um, or the elbow, excuse me. But it's all right. She feels, she feels bad. I got a little pretty shiner. Um, no stitches. But I mean, it's, it's fitting, right? I get the elbow right before me, and that makes sense. <laughs> Those pictures will come out nice. Uh, Mario, go ahead and ask Sue your question. So good to see you again. Um, you've won championships at Syracuse, or, you know, here at high school at Syracuse. You've won championships at, at UConn. But you've never really had to overcome adversity in a, in a different way. 
Yeah. What's it like when you're going to step on the floor July 25th, knowing all the stuff that you have just gone through over this last year and a half? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think, you know, it's just different. It's different making my return with USA Basketball and then going overseas and playing in Russia. Um, and then also making the return in the WBA. Um, you know, obviously, I said this before, but this isn't the way that I thought I would be returning with with the storm. I thought it would be in front of our fans and that type of thing. And um, now it's just going to be from a little bit farther. Um, but I'm excited. Like, getting back on the court these, these few days, um, it was weird, to be honest. It was weird. I haven't been around the team like that for since 2018. And you look back, and now 2018 was two years ago. Uh, but I'm excited. I think that um, our team, we have a lot of room to continue to grow, and we're just going to continue to get better and happy to be on the court with Sue and the rest of my teammates. Thanks. Our next question will come from Lindsay Gibbs. Go ahead, Lindsay. Hey, Brianna, I wanted to know if you had heard about Elena getting denied her medical exemption and whether you had any thoughts about that and just kind of how the whole protocol is following coming into this. Yeah, I... Um, I did hear about it. I actually, so I haven't had a chance to read her Players Tribune article. I just saw she posted it, um, like within the hour. Uh, but I was, I was surprised, to be honest. So if I'm surprised, I know she was shocked. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of what's happening with, you know, to get the medical exemption, but I considered her a high risk player. You know, like just from what I know, just from the Lyme disease she has, um, that's what I thought when they wrote high risk. I thought that that was, you know, referring to a player like Elena. Um, and I know it's tough. I mean, I saw the quote where it's like she has to choose between risking her life and, and getting a paycheck. And uh, it's an uncomfortable situation to be in. And I think, you know, the Mystics and really all the players in this league respect what she does either way. Um but for sure, I'm going to be reaching out to her uh, after this, probably. Next question will come from. Why are you froze? <laughs> ah. All right, go ahead, Doug. I think it's me, Stewie. It's good to see you. Um, back on that question a little bit, I mean, last year you sat out and were an ambassador for the league. Would it make sense to maybe, I mean, Elena's obviously a very high-known player and, and a great ambassador for the league already. Maybe it makes sense as a former ambassador. I don't know if your role has been relinquished now you're playing again, but to have it. I think my role is done, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it would make sense. I think that, you know, the league doing the – that ambassador program, I don't think it should just be a, a one-time thing, you know. I think for me it was seemed like it was the first time it happened in the league. Uh, but obviously every year we play, there's going to be, unfortunately, a major player who is probably not able to play for injury or whatever reason. Um, and I just hope that the league, the league usually tries to do what's best for the players, and I hope that uh, Elena and and the league can really figure something out and make it so you don't have to put her in an uncomfortable situation. I think that's the biggest thing. It's none of us want to be in a position where we're forced to do something. You know, if you don't feel comfortable, obviously everything going on in the world, there's a lot of situations where people aren't comfortable. Uh, 
for whatever reason, and people have to respect that. Stewie, our next question will come from Howard McDougall. Stewie, how are you? Uh, uh, I'm curious when you think about this team relative to where they where they were. Um, do you feel like the defending champs? Does it feel that way coming back where you and Sue are getting the opportunity to finally do that? You have a team that's not just intact but has added to it since then. And just related to it, you know, you told me back in 2018, if, if we're not here to win a championship, I don't know what we're here for. I'm wondering right. if, if it feels the same way to you or just in light of, like you said, all the other things you've been going through and then this being a, a very specific kind of year, whether that feels a little different to you. Yeah, um, I think our starters were actually just talking about it yesterday. Uh, Tosh, Tosh was on the court with us for the first time yesterday, and that's the first time since 2018 that we had all five people playing together. Um, so it's it feels great to be back. Um, it feels hmm. like, you know, yeah, we went from 2018 right to right to 2020. And for Sue and I, that's how it's going to feel because we didn't play in 2019. Um, and I think the thing is, you know, we, we are here. We're here in the bubble. We're here in the bubble. Like, we're going to try to win. And, and that's our attitude and our mindset. Um, you know, a lot of things we can't control, but we can control what we do inside the, the bubble. Thank you. Thanks, Dewey. We'll take a follow-up question from Mark Larson. Go ahead, Mark. I just wanted to talk to you about coming back and what the toughest part you think is after missing a year in the league and, and if you could be the player you were when you left. Yeah. I think the toughest part of, of the comeback is, is more the mental side um, because just understanding some days that my body doesn't love what I did the day before. Uh, especially in the beginning, you know, when I was on like month seven, month eight, month eight, month nine of the, the return, getting used to doing things that I would do like without even thinking, you know, uh, pushing off my right leg, stuff like that and moving it and just making sure that, you know, I know it's not going to rupture again. Um, that was a big, a big hurdle to overcome. And then just really trusting my body. And I think kind of Sue, Sue put it best the other day we were talking about it. Um, we busted our asses to get to this point. You know, we really did all that we could to kind of get back. And obviously we were coming back from different injuries. Um, but it wasn't an easy thing. And I think we both feel great the way that we feel now and, and just continuing to do what we can. You know, my Achilles... I have a new Achilles, so I tell people I have a brand new Achilles, but still I need to make sure I maintain and, and take care of it, uh, and that's just going to be something that happens throughout the rest of my career. Thanks, Dewey. Our last question for you will come from Jake Wittenberg. Jake, go ahead and ask what. Hey, Brianna, thanks. Um, you're supposed to be in Tokyo right now for the Olympics, and I'm just curious what you think about that, what the adjustment has been like for you, and how important the Olympics are to you. Yeah, um, it is, it's crazy to, to think about that. I think that, first of all, I don't know how you guys feel, but, uh, I'm losing track of my days. I'm losing track of what day of the week it is and, and what number of the month it is. Um, so the fact that you said I'm supposed to be in Tokyo right now, um, it's, it's sad, you know, it's tough, but I think it was also expected by most of the players that it was going to be postponed. 
and I'm happy that it was postponed and not canceled. I just hope that in 2021 we will be able to continue to go to Tokyo, um, represent Team USA. Um, the Olympics is something obviously you guys know it happens once every four years, and it's something that we take a lot of pride in. And so we hope that we'll hopefully find a vaccine or whatever the case to kind of be able to uh, corral the, the coronavirus and be able to continue to have major sporting events like that. And that's all I got. I mean, I hope we can play. And, but right now, I'm focused on playing, playing here with the Storm. Great. Stu, thank you so much for your time. We'll go ahead and see our one of your storm and Olympic teammates, Jewel Lloyd, up next. He's coming.